You're listening to an Art Gallery of Ontario podcast. AGO Talks are recorded live in the gallery and feature artists, writers, and curators exploring how art shapes and inspires us. Please visit us online at ago.net slash talks. All right, so our second panel of the day is a panel called Photography's Contexts, moderated by Sophie Hackett, who is the lead juror of the Grange Prize 2012 and the assistant curator of photography at the AGO, uh, and with our juror Charlotte Cotton and two shortlisted artists, Jason Evans and Emmanuel Leonard. Um, I just wanted to say before we continue that none of this would be possible, the launch party wouldn't have been possible, the exhibition wouldn't have been possible without the AGO's partner in the Grange Prize Aeroplan. Um, so thank you to Aeroplan for their support of the prize and their partnership, and thank you, Alden, for being here today. And so I have the pleasure of introducing my comrade in arms, Sophie, Assistant Curator of Photography at the Art Gallery of Ontario and Adjunct Faculty in Ryerson University's Master's Program in Photographic Preservation and Collections Management. She has contributed to several Canadian art magazines and international journals, and her recent curatorial projects include Barbara Kruger, Untitled It, in 2010, along the AGO's facade for contact, Where I Was Born, A Photograph, A Clue, and the Discovery of Abel Boulino, in 2011, also part of contact, Songs of the Future, Canadian Industrial Photographs, 1858 to Today, 2011 and 2012, and most recently, uh, Max Dean album, The Incredible Project. Um, there are some albums still on display on your way up to the Grange Prize exhibition um, that was also part of Contact this year. Uh, and she is the lead juror for the Grange Prize 2012. Please welcome Sophie Hackett. Thank you, Sean, and thank you all for being here uh, on, a, on a, what looks like a quite nice Friday afternoon. So instead, we'll sit here in the semi-dark and talk about photographs, one of my favorite things to do. Um, I promise you that there was no memo that went out about royal blue pants today, but we are, uh, it seems, the blue brigade, and even, I, th I think, blue denim counts. Um, so yes. <laughs> Um, so with that, today, the second panel, we wanted to talk about the idea of context. Uh, you know, the images we encounter on a daily basis you know, circulate in the press, on billboards, posters, postcards, and online. Um, they teach us, for instance, about fashion or about crime, about what's beautiful and about what isn't. Uh, and so we wanted to talk a little bit today about how contemporary photographers uh, make use of different contexts and different modes of circulation uh, to reinvent uh, how we understand photographs. So to that end, we have today Emmanuel Levenard, Jason Evans, and the incomparable Charlotte Cotton. Uh, starting off, first of all, with Emmanuel, and Emmanuel holds, uh, she's born in Montreal, and she still lives and works there. She holds a BA in Fine Arts from Concordia University, and an MA in Visual Arts and Media from the Université du Québec à Montréal. She has several solo and group exhibitions to her credit in Montreal, Toronto, Quebec City, Berlin, Paris, uh, and most recently the Quebec Triennial in Montreal in 2011. Uh, Leonard was the 2005 winner of the Prix Pierre Ayou, which recognizes ex excellence in the visual arts in Montreal. Please join me in welcoming Emmanuel Leonard. Hello. Yeah, it works. That's good. Hi. Um, hi, everyone. So I usually I improvise, etc. But as long as my English is not 
perfect, let's say, well, really not. So I decided to write it. I hope it won't be too uh, uh, slow, something like that. So um, in response to the, the question here, I was thinking to present you two projects I've made um, that raise question of different social use um, of photography and different uh, diffusion mode to, uh, of photography. So, where is the... Is it this one? Yeah? Also? Okay. I'm a PC user. So, uh, I will begin with um, this piece, which it's, it's called Dans l'œil du travailleur, in the eye of the worker, made in uh, 2001. Um, where I asked to several workers of different type of job to photograph for me their own um, place of work. But I asked them to have it empty of human presence because I want more, really have a relationship with the space more than uh, with the colleagues or stuff like that, uh, which I'm sure it's more what we have done spontaneously. And... Um, Yeah, it, and to have a relative uh, representativity, I used the information given by the Statistic of Canada for the Quebec to, uh, for the year 2000. So it's dividing in maybe, I think, 20 sector sphere of type of job. And um, they put the number of each person working in, in each uh, sector. And um, I add to that some work that is not included in that context, like a prostitute, uh, unemployed, and a different job like that. So, first page. Okay, continue. <laughs> but by, by asking them to photograph for me, I was allowed to entrance in place that are sometimes inaccessible uh, for a, a lot of places of work, in fact, are closed. Uh, well, difficult, or even some work that are made in public sphere, it's not easy to photograph too, like in subway station or stuff like that, you cannot, can be difficult. So, passing through their eyes, I, I was able to get in, in fact. And um, that creates a kind of inverse portrait, in fact, being in the head of somebody else. This image bank has something to do um, with the family picture aesthetic. That is, of course, linked to the fact that I, I gave them a, a small camera, but a good one, not a, not a cheap one or something like that, that will create a link with kitsch aesthetic. That was not my point. And... Um, Yeah, so this kind of um, aesthetic, I will show you some. Okay, first, this is a Mediacom worker. Mediacom is the huge panel that you put on the, the street, so that's what he, he took. That's a uh, uh -huh. guess. Difficult to see. Yeah. Oh, yeah, and it's a little bit dark there. It's a cardiologist. You know, when you think about that, you think... It would be white, clean, clear. I mean, you know, something yeah, proper than that. Anyway, so it 
it was quite surprising to me when I discovered the image because I didn't know what I will find, find, find before. <laughs> so continue with that. This is a fireman. And that's true that, well, I hope for him if he have more time there than his truck or in the middle of a fire, in fact. The fact that I pass through the eyes of somebody else helped me to, in an, uh, there's another thing to that, it's that I can escape a little bit my own cliche or, you know, that we can have by, uh, by the way. Though. So this project was present as a newspaper, so it's the first, it's one, it's well, it was 12 pages. And I put several, like that, um, image on one page. And uh, it was printed in 7,000 copies, distributed uh, freely in several places. I will return there. So that's a prostitute room. So here, this, the author. Do, we, do I say it well? Author? Author. Because it, it was, it's a strange word. This one, beautiful one, too, of course. But so there are multiple authors in this project. And um, well, because I've made the selection too, so I'm certainly here for that too. And they are identified with their name and the job they do in a quite desertic way, too, as a, as a result. The second project I want to present, we'll begin with this one, is uh, Homicide, Détenu versus Détenu, Archives du Palais de Justice de la Ville de Québec, 2010. So I was interested in the use of photography made by the, the police forces. Um, so I'm, yeah, I met several, I did several uh, research for that, and I met uh, Lieutenant, she was really kind, in fact, from Identité Judiciaire, it's, it's where you, you have the technician of crime scene, and it's uh, where all the, the photographs are there, but you have several type of technician in that, in that uh, sphere. So they show me how they work with photography, how they work with digital photography, which of course change when you don't have the, anymore the negative, because before it was a negative who was considered as a proof. And then they have to manage a new, uh, yeah, since uh, the numeric appear. And uh, so I asked them, do you want to give me some? I want to see some. I want to work with them, uh, with some. But of course, they say no. <laughs> no, no, no. That's for sure. They are at the beginning of the justice system, and they cannot just let some proof in the end of an artist, and you never know what he's going to do with that. And that's not a good idea. So, but um, uh, they refuse. And finally, I've, I've been to the archive of the Court of Quebec City. Of course, it's downstairs. And then you have all of the judgment made uh, for all case. And with this judgment, uh, you have the, the box of evidence 
that you can ask to see. Of course, I was certainly one of the strange person being there because it's always a lawyer, I mean, who, who go there. And um, in that, in these box, um, so you, every evidence that will be used in the trial, present to jury or, or the judge, uh, are there, but not the big one, of course, because they told me, well, we have another place, but that's car, uh, for like, you know, big thing, but not, no, not downstairs, the court. And um, in the middle of that, and you will find the photograph, the police photograph that are used, and they are, it's very strange, because maybe they are the last one who use this small, you know, pocket, plastic pocket that we used before to put the family picture, etc. So that's what it's used, uh, they use to uh, put the picture. And I will return my text. And uh, was allowed to photocopy them, but not photograph or scan or, in fact, the principle is I don't have the right to touch it. It's kind of that, you know, it's there behind the desk. But I was very um, lucky because the guy who, were work who was working there when I was there was a very, very, um, he loved his job. He really loved his job. So he told me, oh yeah, you're interested, come, come, come. So I go in the back, all the box was, and he opened, he opened some, a lot, a lot. And so, in fact, I touch it. At the end. And so I will begin with this one because um, I would talk a little bit about the one that is upstairs in the museum. And this one, I give the, yeah, I give the title before. It's a case of a murder uh, where an, an inmate killed his co-inmate, cool in fact. There, these are 45 photographs that are literally scanning the cell, no, tick, 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 like that, where the other one is more, much more nar narrative, in fact. And um, they, they create a true documentation about life in prison, in fact. And you have the number done that is written and written by the policeman who take the picture. And so it's continuing like that. All of the details, that's why I say it's a true documentation of living there. And uh, in the gallery, you will find the newspaper. I don't know if uh, some of you, uh, you can take one. I would just say, <laughs> it's why there is a pile. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> and there is a lot, so that's okay. And... Um, so I have print uh, these images that uh, are about a very well-known case in Quebec. I don't know if some, some of you maybe uh, remember the affair du Caporal Lorty, which was in uh, 85, 84, I don't remember, it's written on the, the paper, where a um, military guy get in the National Assembly to kill the politician. And during his journey in, from the beginning, the entrance 
until the end uh, of his journey. He just, well, he killed three, three persons on his way. But when he arrived at the huge assembly room, well, the, uh, by chance, there was nobody because they were not on time this time. So, and uh, what I want to say something else about yeah, the fact that it's function quite different than the one around uh, the cell. Uh, it's much more narrative because the, the policeman who took, or the policewoman, I don't know, who took the picture, followed the path exactly. And then you go from the car outside and you go through... Uh, every corridor, and then until you arrive to the huge seat of the president of the assembly, where he sit there for a while before um, it ends. So I read a lot of documentation, well, a lot, the one at that I find, the, about um, the course they give to police students to train them how to use photography, basic rule, mostly, uh, not very... Uh, Specific. In fact, that's that's much more in the volunteer than in the the way of putting rule rules. And uh, yeah, it begins. The first one I found was for the RCMP how to train policemen to use photography. To begin with, um, always use your shutter release as you do the trigger on your gun. <laughs> And later on, when you read a little bit, say, never forget, the photograph must not appeal the emotions. So here, again, the, I say again, because I think of uh, the first project, the author has to be changeable, replaceable, I would say, something like that. Because if they need the name of the, the, the police, person who took the picture, it's much more to have a function, a position in the hierarchy of the organization of the police than an individuality. It's just a way to add an information to be sure it will still be a, a proof. And it's what was, it what, why it was interesting me to work about the, the use of police too, because it's certainly maybe the last or try to be a place where photography still presents itself as a proof of real. Even if when you look, it's very difficult to know what is the knowledge we're supposed to be taking from that. So, to bring them... So it was interesting to me to, to bring them in the context of art, of course, and for several reasons, but what, one was uh, a way of questioning the function of authorship, to refer to Foucault, um, and, and anonymous or not, how the gaze is trained to talk about the world, or is he or not. So that's it. I was too long. Thank you. Thank you, Emmanuel. 
Um, so we're moving on to Jason Evans, uh, the British photographer nominated for the prize, as is Emmanuel. Uh, Jason was born in Hollyhead, Wales. Uh, his wide-ranging photographic practice includes fashion editorial, art photography. Well, actually, you know what? Hmm. Sorry, I'm, uh, I pulled a bio from somewhere and I realized I disagree with it. So I'm going <laughs> to start that over. I'm actually going to go with the one you wrote instead. So we'll just switch um, here. So um, Jason was born in June uh, a, few, and a few years ago. And so that makes him a Welsh Gemini, but does not account for his interest in psychedelic music. He's a multidisciplinary photographer whose main output has been through the fashion and music media, and his preferred mode of transport has been the bicycle. Uh, he's also responsible for the Daily Nice, a photo blog that presents one image per day with no archive. Jason, over to you. Thank you very much. So um, the actual biog that I use now, which always is, is received like... Uh, like a lead balloon, is Jason Evans is a photographer. And, what, and, and there's been a lot of... People have been using the word photography a lot today, and that's, for me, that's really problematic. It's a bit like say, talking about water. I mean, when we talk about water, do we mean iceberg or do we mean cloud? It's the same thing. And we're at a point now with photography where it's all over the place. It's really complicated. You can't talk about photography anymore. It needs a caveat. <clears throat> so the, the caveat in this case is going to be and I, I do use the word photographer because it's liberating, it's complicated, it confuses people. If I call myself an artist, I'd rather make, let someone else make that call whether I'm an artist or not, but as a photographer, it means that I find it very easy to skip between all these different camps and bases that are in the photography world at the moment. And there is a really important dialogue between all of these bases. Um, Fifteen years ago, when I entered academia and started teaching, a lot of people would turn their noses up at the fact that I made fashion photography. Gradually, people are beginning to realize that fashion's a really interesting place to have a discussion about gender and aesthetics. And yes, most fashion photography is, you know, index-linked to, to capitalism, and, and it's like a form of propaganda, and, and I'm, I'm taking issue with that. I'm not trying to reinforce it. Just, you know, just because I'm in there making fashion photographs, it doesn't mean that I like the system. Um, anyway, so my, my uh, practice rambles all over the place and, and I'm going to try and make sure that this talk doesn't. I'm gonna try, I want to keep it really short because I want to get to the discussion part. So I'm when I say what's this for, I'm talking about the new kind of contexts that we're facing. Um, not just as photographers, uh, not just as, as <clears throat> you know, cultural makers, as writers, as musicians, whatever. But I think all of us need to do some really serious thinking about the kind of the new context that we're facing right now, and who are making, who's making them, what are they making them for, and and how are they impacting on us? There's one of the books that I pulled out um, was a, actually a book introduced to me by Charlotte here, um, uh, Fred Richin's After Photography. Um, which is in the, in the reading area of, of the Grange Prize upstairs. And in, in his introductory talk, in, in the introductory section of the book, he talks about the automobile, he talks about the television, and why on earth didn't we just all sit down when these things were invented and have a little bit of a head scratch and think about the logical pro progression of, of, what, of how this technology was going to impact um, on not, not just on our lives, but on our planet. Um, I mean, they're index-linked, but we like to separate the two things. Um, and I think that we need to have a very serious... I mean, I think we need to have had that discussion about photography 
I mean, photography has been described as the biggest humanitarian disaster of the 20th century, and I can, I can see that. I mean, it, it does reduce us, quote-unquote, to vile caricatures. It reduces everything to a vile caricature. You have to put it into a very, very clear context for it to make any sense, or at least the sense that you intend it to have. Um, and those contexts now are mercurial. They're out of our hands. And it's really, I think it's really problematic. So I'm going to talk you through um, a project that I made that is in the Grange Prize. Um, it's a poster. Uh, it's an image. It's a record cover. It's an icon on an MP3 player. It's uh, projected at, at concerts. It's a, it's, a piece of, it's a piece of imagery that was generated for a musician called Fortet. And it's from his last album called There Is Love In You. And Fortet is a musician who was originally inspired by hip-hop and sampling culture and taking something and making it into something else. And he does that incredibly creatively. Whatever you think about hip-hop, whatever you think about sampling and DJ culture, um, he will probably uh, be a really good counter-argument, especially if you're against it. Um, so we, the, his new record... Uh, He's, he's increasingly interested in electronic sounds and sounds that have been generated electronically, whereas previously he was using analog sounds and putting them through electronic processes, digital processes, not analog ones. So the new record is much more um, electronic in appearance, but most of the songs in it have an element that is of a very specific uh, analog origin. So, for example, he's using the sounds of meteorites, a meteor shower, um, recorded in the 60s on one of the songs, or the sound of a heartbeat in the womb, um, and there's a human one and a puppy's one, and stuff like that, and the sound of the bells that were rung at his wedding, um, and these kind of are part of the sort of landscape. So there's this discourse between digital and electronic, um, analog, digital, uh, and... So the first thing that we did was I wanted to create a texture, and this texture was... Uh, in response to the problems of making a record cover nowadays. When I started making record covers, they were a 12-inch squared piece of cardboard. And sometimes they were gatefolds, so you could print on both sides, whatever. Nowadays, when you design a record cover, it has to be something that works 12 inches square, but also that works that big on one of those things that Steve Jobs has screwed us all with. Um, so anyway, so I, I became increasingly interested in this idea of texture and the way that we recognize texture visually. Um, so so I, I set about making a texture in the same way that Kieran might make a piece of music. And the first thing I did was I spoke to all the labs that I work with in London and they, every morning they print out on their digital C-type printers, they print out a test strip. And that's what these students of mine are doing right now in the studio. They're assembling all of the test strips from a six-month period. And we, correct, we got lots of different test strips from lots of different machines, stuck them on the wall, photographed them onto negative. Um, those negatives were then taken um, and attacked with a hole punch. And I took those tiny pieces of negative and I scattered them on a 5 by 4 glass plate and I arranged them. So immediately there's this kind of random thing kicking in because at this point I can't really... I can't actually see what's happening particularly well. I mean, this was taking... It doesn't matter how long it took. It took a long time. So this was the first test print that we made. And I realised that um, the, the colours and the shapes and the patterns weren't working quite well, and I had to take it up a notch and go to 10-8 plate. And 
from a 10-8 plate, from hundreds of these dots, we ended up with a print that is as big as the one that's in the gallery upstairs. Um, and from that print, we, we, kept, we decided to keep the circles at exactly the same size. So on the, on the poster, they're as big as they are, which is as big as they were on the original print. That's a facsimile, that poster. And it was used as a promotional item in record stores. The, the vinyl is then cropped from that. And then the CD is cropped from that. And the MP3 player is cropped from that. So you end up with the same size circles, but different versions of this texture. And when you Google it, which is unfortunately where a lot of people see stuff nowadays, um, that's what you come up with. And I've been thinking about this in my music production stuff quite a lot and how to, you know, how to satisfy all of these different scales in this really problematic context that we're faced at, in this period, which is supposedly this kind of changeover period, but I'm not sure what that changeover is or how it's happening. So this is another example of um, a record cover for a band called The Wild Beasts, and the album was called Smother, and we were thinking about the kind of gentleness of, uh, of suffocation. And we took dyed feathers, and I put the feathers into an enlarger and printed through the feathers. So there was no negative at all. What you're looking at, these tiny little squares, are actually made up of printed, printed things. And they, So someone on MP3 is going to get this instantly recognisable square, which is actually borrowed from uh, a Faust record that borrowed from a Bridget Riley record painting and blah, blah, blah. So there's a, there's a sort of pre precedence here. Um, and, and I'm gradually working my way through geometric shapes. Sadly, someone else has used the hexagon. And uh, anyway, so this was a record cover that I did for Caribou. Um, and I, again, it's kind of a, a larger scale. You can really get into some rich textures here. And at this small scale, it's, it's uh, another little kind of icon that's immediately recognizable. Um, so this is kind of the, the challenges that you face as a practitioner, a, a photographer who's, who's working. Um, and the next challenge that I face, and I found this out, come on, I found this out at the beginning of the week, that um, my... You know this this visual motif thing that I'm working on in, in with musicians has been so effective that it was picked up on by uh, Asus, who produced the new Nexus 7 tablet, which is the only kind of realistic rival to the um, the iPad. And imagine my surprise when I got an email saying, "Oh, congratulations! Saw your Caribou cover on on the new advert." And it's like, really? And I didn't know anything about this. And I haven't received any payment for this. It was negotiated with the band. The band felt that they owned it. They didn't. They don't. Um, and, and Nexus, or Google, who produced these things, gave the band one tablet as in payment for using this image. And that gives you a sense of just how desperate image providers are becoming to kind of be positioned on these platforms. I mean, iTunes is... I think, a crime against humanity. You know, music is really fucking important. You know, we all make a beat. And to, what iTunes has done to music is horrific. 50% of every time you buy something on iTunes, 50% of that goes to Apple. What the fuck did Apple do? You know, it's, I, I'm really quite angry about it. And I'm not particularly happy about this either, as you can imagine. 
Um, I mean, it's a validation of my theories about making images that work on the internet, but there you go. So I want to wrap this up because I want to get to the discussion part. So uh, one of the things that I do is also is I'm really, I am very excited about Tumblr and, uh, and I'm really enjoying the way that we kind of create these new visual kind of connections. And this is a, a particularly favorite Tumblr of mine by Simon Foxton called Good Stuff. No, it's not safe for work. And one of the things that's really interesting, I think, is, is this kind of devolution of pornography, the way it's kind of... There's a lot of pornography now that is kind of spilling out of its little, little tight, carefully sectioned-off areas of the internet into more kind of, shall we say, mainstream tumblers. And it's really fashionable to include pornography next to all kinds of other things. I've saved you the, the thrill um, for later. You've got the link. Um, <clears throat> Uh, and, and one of the things that's really crazy about this is it's changed, and I think it relates back to the point I just made about that Nexus tablet problem, is that people just feel like they can, these contexts are creating this kind of free-for-all, and it's like everything's just like, oh, stick it in there, stick it in there. Well, nothing's attributed, um, nothing's credited, there's this, and it's, it's a problem that relates to the way the fashion industry just hoovers up ideas, and it's fine to rip things off and copy them and reference them, and this is a, this, I think this is one of the biggest problems that these new contexts is, is, is creating. However, I do think the Tumblr thing can be very kind of um, beautiful as well. And I'm not anti-digital, I'm not anti-the internet or all that stuff. I just, I just think that we need to be cautious and thoughtful about it. And this is what Tumblr has given me, was a show that I curated recently, which was formatted in the way that Tumblr is. This is the Photographer's Gallery in London, 237 photography books, no context. No, I mean, each object kind of attributes itself, but there's no kind of curatorial statement. I give the audience the... Uh, I credit them with intelligence, and they can walk in there, and they can pick something up, and they decide if they like it or not. And... And I don't think I would have had the balls to do that had I not been wasting hours and hours of my life looking at Tumblr. Anyway, there you go. Thank you very much. Thank you, Jason. Um, so moving on then to our last speaker of the panel, before we get on to discussion, is Charlotte Cotton, who's a curator and writer. Uh, her cultural roles have included creative director for Media Space, a partnership between the Science Museum and the National Media Museum uh, in London. Previously, she was curator and department head of photography at the Los Angeles County Museum of Art from 2007 to 2009. Uh, curator of photographs at the V&A in London, 1992 to 2004, and head of programming at the Photographer's Gallery, also in London, 2004-05. She's a visiting professor at Yale in 2005, visiting critic at uh, SVA, Bard, CCA, and Cranbrook. Uh, I won't go through all the acronyms. Um, she's the author and editor of several books, including Imperfect Beauty in 2000, Then Things Went Quiet in 2003, Guy Bourdin in 2003, and The Photograph is Contemporary Art in 2004. She's also the founder of uh, Words Without Pictures, uh, which is gathered into a book volume you can also see in the uh, reading uh, room of the gallery. Um, recently launched is gotoeitherand.org, for which Charlotte was uh, hugely involved. And she's also the main curator of the Daegu Photo Biennial, which opens at the end of this month and includes, as it happens, the work of Jason Evans and Annie McDonnell. So, Charlotte. Thank you. Um, thank you. What? 
Thank you very much. Um, so I've been thinking about, Sophie sent us a prompt for this discussion, which was this idea of photography as this broad terrain. What kind of relationship does that have essentially with contemporary art photography and photography that ends up in museums? And what are the sort of mitigating factors or the context for the definition of that? So I, um, I have done you three drawings which are really useful for me to try and frame what I think the mitigating factors are for this discussion. Um, so the first drawing, I can't credit myself as having um, conceived of this. I, this that um, uh, honour belongs to Julian Stalabras, who's an academic based at the Courtauld Institute. And in 1992, as part of a general book, which was one of those really interesting first books looking at how digital culture was going to impact on artistic culture. He wrote a wonderful essay called 60 Billion Sunsets. Um, and he created this wheel, and on the wheel he put these four different definitions of a photographer, the artist, the snapper, the professional, and the amateur. And in his argument he talks about these being terms that can move around this wheel, that they don't have a fixed position um, but they are in relation to each other. So in my drawing, I've put snapper and artist quite close together because in the early 1990s when the essay was written, you know, you had this strong relationship between sort of the autobiographical sort of diaristic photography using instamatic cameras like Nan Golden and its relationship with the kind of cameras you were using as a snapper. Um, Julian hasn't updated his wheel, but I suppose what I was thinking about in terms of what would, I, what would be the terms I would put on this wheel for today, and also which ones would sit close together. And I think the artist obviously is still here, in, I think, in fact, but I think it's got sort of into a sort of smaller point face. The idea of the artist photographer has become something a little bit more specific than it was in 1992. Um, the professional is still there, but again, I think that's teeny tiny type now, <laughs> isn't it? Where you know the kind of the sort of the the, the deal that was kind of brokered that you know that uh, a photographer could uh, find the money to do what they want to do by doing commercial work is kind of pretty much gone now. The amateur, of course, well maybe you change the terminology to citizen now, but I think the amateur is actually probably at the top of the wheel right now as one of the most as the most powerful influence on this definition of photography. And I think I'd actually get rid of the idea of snapper and maybe even put the camera itself there because we're dealing with a time where the intelligence and the authorship of technologies has become much more important again in our understanding of photography as a subject. Um, so and that's where my, my personal interest lies in the fact that you're dealing with photography as a subject, which is extremely dynamic, extremely mercurial, and um, allows us to kind of move away from the pyramid, the hierarchy, which established, ironically established photography as a subject. So a pyramid which really is the pyramid of museums, which puts collections at the top, so physical objects at the top, and then you have permanent galleries and temporary exhibitions, and then almost as these sort of complementary or ancillary activities, learning, publishing, and events. Now, I think that pyramid is very, very useful when you're, particularly when you're establishing from about 1970 photo departments. 
but as somebody who spent most of their professional life working in photo departments in large museums, I have to say that I think that model is one which has stopped serving the subject of photography so very well. In fact, what did we get left with? Normally, the small galleries, which were corridors on the way to the bathrooms, right? That's where you normally see the history of photography. In fact, and what gets lost within the pyramid is the idea that photography is a medium in relation to other things, rather than that kind of slightly insecure way that the history of photography has framed in museums as, you have to understand our entire history and we have our own discrete history that is our very, very own. And I think that's something that has to kind of be questioned for how we might deal with photographic practice, but photographic practice in relation to image making, which is increasingly not about the lens and not about photography. And um, what I would hate is for museums' definition of photography as a subject to increasingly become this very rarefied definition that can only refer to itself within the context of cultural institutions, because that's like photography becoming the watercolour of the 21st century. It's like it's not in relation to the defaults of this amazing broad terrain of photographic culture. So, um, as not to get too depressed about it, then I put up this, this kind of wheel of dynamics. So why not have a kind of a circle rather than a pyramid um, to think about that? Like, could you imagine cultural spaces or even our ideas of our individual practice holding all of these different aspects of what you might call the photographic? So just as I think it's important for a museum to flatten its hierarchy and do an exhibition when it wants to do something that's absolutely unreconstructed and modernist it can only be done in physical space, but then have a conversation online which is not dependent on a visit to a physical space, if that's the way to have that particular conversation. To publish in ways which actually reach the audience, like who is it for? You know, rather than you know, continue to this idea that it's about the catalogue or the trade publication, which is Entire, entirely being questioned um, in other areas of publishing. And I like this wheel because it isn't owned by any one person in the mix. I think an amateur could own this. I think I could own this as a curator. I think you could own this as a practitioner. And then I think we're in a place where actually we are talking about the subject of photography, the subject of the photographic, as photography as not just a set of objects, but a prompt a way of talking about things in the real world still, you know, not keeping that in question, but keeping that as one of the many roles that photography can have. Thank you, Charlotte. I, Jason, I think we should leave that slide up. I think that's a good one to leave up, a good one to end on, uh, end on and reflect on even as we... Uh, enter into the discussion. Um, you know, one of the things I'm, I'm struck by, and it, it, it manifests in really different ways in each of your presentations, but is this sort of idea of a kind of um, emancipation of, uh, well, the photograph even, or, or I don't think so. I think it's a... So we'll... we'll <laughs> it's not a fire alarm. It is an alarm, but we will... Uh, do, do, do you think it's the photo revolution? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's really funny. <laughs> or the return of something cool right there. Yeah. <laughs> okay. 
Okay. All right. I think that's been uh, that's been solved. Yeah. Okay. Good. Sorry about <laughs> this is interesting timing. Um, but I think that there is there is I think in each of your practices, if we want to call it the, uh, this this kind of yearning for an emancipation of the image or uh, uh, of an experience of an image. Um, so I would you would you agree? And if so, why? Okay. So I don't have my. To clarify, I guess the. So thinking about the the work Emmanuel that you've made, um, really digging through archives and like down in the spaces that are very often not seen at all, um, literally bringing images, these photographic um, police photographs to light that most people don't see unless they're really working with that kind of material. Not only bringing them to light, but then bringing them to light in a new version um, that prompts uh, other ideas about what it means to make those pictures, what it means to look at them in in a newspaper or in a gallery or in another setting. You've, infil- you've literally gone and infiltrated a, a system, even impersonated it to a certain degree, and then kind of brought it forward. So um, I, maybe the question for you is, do, do you feel like you are freeing those pictures yeah. in a sense? Yeah, that's funny. <laughs> um, yeah, that's for sure that what was interesting me is the um, is the, the the function they are meant to is really in the picture or is it what we call the cahier de charge that surround it the, the series of rules that give them a, something special or is it in the picture and from that yeah to to you have to see the real one so it's why yeah to take it out uh, from their context at the beginning and putting them in another context. Of course, we will read them differently and maybe ask um, by... uh, I'll explain, actually, this will be very brief, but it's the announcement that the gallery is closing. This will happen once more in five minutes. Apologies, everyone, <laughs> just to warn you. Sorry, sorry, Manuel. Yeah, so the, f- the fact that they were displaced and put in, in another context will ask questions to the context at the beginning and how this police system, for example, uh, function to create proof and how they create reality from the, these proof, but to do... I think to take it out from the original context, permit that. Otherwise, you cannot. So it's rebound um, to the first place, the place of origin, and how we construct things. When did you make that work? 2010. So it's it's at a period where. It's, it's also in relation to... I mean, I think it was interesting the way that Jason brought out, up Tumblr as a dynamic for 
um, what you're anticipating the experience of the, or the, what the viewer brings to that exhibition situation, that there's a sort of prior knowledge, which is a new knowledge, which wasn't there 10 years ago. Like I'm thinking with your piece in the gallery, you know, if I was looking at it thinking, well, if, if the, it, stylistically it could have been done like 10 years before, yeah. couldn't it, or 15 years before. But I think what it means to do it in 2010 is different from what it meant to do in 2000, where you'd have been caught up with, oh, that's really clever, they've gone into this archive, you know, it's like still, still really focused on your authorship of the act of appropriation and recontextualizing. Like, I don't know if we'd even really use the word for appropriation quite, I mean, you didn't use the word appropriation mm -hmm. to describe what you were doing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Do you think appropriation has become automatic? I think it's really. I think it's really interesting. I don't know how many people have got to see the Cindy Sherman show that's doing the rounds. It'll go everywhere. It's at San Francisco at the moment. But I remember like ten years ago teaching Cindy Sherman to a class of undergrads, and that could take about twenty minutes of discussion about see the trick. And now, thirty seconds into it, they're looking at you like, yeah, what you know, like what's so, you know, what's so magical about that? Because it's a just it's a very natural act because of what, what we actually do. But at the same time, I think my anxiety is that there isn't enough discussion about... I mean, you're, in a way, you're talking about a progression in a conceptual visual literacy. Yeah. And, and I feel like a lot of other things that are happening are not very progressive. That It's almost like installing a kind of... Uh, feudal. I feel like I'm not allowed to leave my village as a photographer sometimes. I feel like my images are owned by a higher master and he decides how and where they go in the same way that my overlord would have been in, you know, I would have labored for my overlord and whatever mm -hmm. he decided is what happened. And I, and I feel like that's where we're going back to. You know, the thing, and I think the other thing is, I mean, there's all this kind of research emerging about, I mean, you talked about yearning for images and I don't know if anyone's done that thing where you've found a particularly interesting Tumblr and then you've found yourself still there an hour and a half later. Have, have you done that? I mean, I don't watch TV because it does that to me. And, and I, but Tumblr does it to me in this different way. And there's, a, there's, there's research being done now by sex therapists who are linking the kind of chemicals that are released in your brain when you look at pornography to the chemicals that are released in your brain when you use addictive substances, and they're very similar, and looking can become addictive, mm. and has become addictive. And I keep asking myself when I'm tumbling, what, what am I doing? What am I, what, what, what am I waiting for? What's gonna come next? But I keep receiving this visual pleasure, and it's not really, I don't know where it's taking me, um, but it's, it's keeping me indoors. I'm not causing trouble. I'm off the street, <laughs> and, and, and then, but then that is all going to be logged, that information. Yeah, but I, th but I think that's... I mean, I suppose what I was asking was more about what, what you're doing as the, as the artist, as the author of the work. I mean, not so much...
sales pitch officially over. <laughs> I feel like Emmanuel's work is, particularly the takeaway newspaper, operates in a really similar way for me to the way that I look at a Tumblr because there's, there's this kind of like possible suggestion of a narrative and that kind of visual literacy thing where we, we're making links that we might not have done before because we're so used to the idea of montage. And I, was, mm. I make links when I look at your work mm. that, that aren't there. And or maybe they are. Yeah. But what was... Um, and the, the, to change the place or... To, to, yeah, reappropriate this image and trying, well, even if I try to, to keep them very clear in the sense of what they were at, um, when I saw them. Yeah. Uh, so no manipulation, well, of course, there's always. Uh, um, but, and especially now, uh, where you have, like you say, all of this world of image, like vroom, everywhere, it's, it, it's underlined the specificity of this, how we construct still from image some apparatus that are used. Mm. So, um, so it's not the image in, it, in itself, it's, it will be the way it circulates or it's used, it's been used to achieve a certain point, let's say a justice system, for example. Um, so yeah, I will agree with you, there's a lot. Charlotte, when I used the word emancipation, you sort of smiled and giggled. Can you say why? I, well, I'm, I'm, I'm just like a revolution fetishist. I mean, like, I, I, I want it all to be raised to the ground and we can start again, you know. <laughs> um, I mean, I, I think we are at a pivotal moment. It seems to be taking longer than I than I thought. It's a big pivot, isn't it? <laughs> but it is a big pivot. I mean, we all like to think we live at a pivotal moment, but actually, I do really think that we are. And in particular, about the way. I mean, obviously, my focus has been about what happens within a cultural space, and to a certain degree, what kinds of relationships and what kinds of viewing experiences do you want and so a lot of a lot of my thinking is about the, how the viewing experience has shifted like why do people come to museums to see exhibitions I think has become more specific the work that I think operates within a gallery space is more specific than I was seeing even five years ago um, so and I don't think that's con that's counter to emancipation if that more specific version of photography within the cultural space has, has a really intelligent relationship with everything else that's going on. So, you know, that, you know, the internet does not become this other or gaming does not become this other or non-lens-based ways of visual, visualising aren't sort of just meekly appropriated in ways... I mean, you see this a lot and you have for the last 15 years in photo collections within museums. Like, what do museums tend to collect as examples of contemporary art photography? Well, apart from the very few really interesting departments, what happens is, is is a contemporary photography that looks a bit like and refreshes the history of photography as it's been collected by that institution. 
and, um, and we leave it up to the contemporary art departments to sort of take some risks about what, you know, relationship with authorship or archiving something which is not a physical print and all of those issues. Um, when, of course, now we're reaching this pivotal moment where that just won't do, unless you do want to just happily join prints and drawings and become a historical subject. Sorry, I'm looking at you. It's not my problem anymore. <laughs> that's true. No, that's, uh, I think that's a really compelling point. Um, to shift for a moment to, to Jason again, you've... Um, you know, your installation in the exhibition upstairs has is multifaceted, has... Um, takeaway elements in it, um, but I think the thing that, it, um, and it's almost an element that you can miss if if you don't if you decide not to read the text if you just if um, you focus very much on the images or on the objects, but the invitation to photograph the objects and then to share those photographs as part of um, a, a system that you've set up, in fact, um, is a really I think kind of wonderful and generous invitation. Can you tell us about that? Thanks. Um, I just, I, I, I imagine, and, and there's, we're, we're having all kinds of problems with my installation because it's, it's, my practice is this sort of ongoing thing and I, I don't have these cut-off points. And I think the problem with the, this installation is that there are perhaps too many elements in dialogue there and it's confusing people. Um, I mean, we've had handling of the objects, and that's not at all what I intended. I see these objects as being tech, as, as, sorry, as being photogenic, and my audience seems, seems to them as being tactile. And, and, and not only are the postcards being taken away, but I went up earlier on and someone's had one of the records away as well. <laughs> yeah, so, um, so it's a replaceable one. But, uh, and, and, but this, I don't think it's a problem, I think it's interesting. I mean, it's not supposed to happen in a museum, isn't it? But that's yeah. good. It's, it's good that something that's not supposed to happen here is happening. Um, if we just lim limit it to the part of work that is pictures for looking at and sculpture photogra for photography, when we all have cameras, in, at least we do in the West, and, um, and this, that doesn't mean that we're all photographers. Just being able to make a picture. I mean, if you look in that space, I use the word image, picture and photograph and there's a dialogue between all of those things and I want I want my audience to register that even if it's on a subconscious level I'm gonna make it I mean, we've been talking about images but this is a photography forum or are we talking about art it's kind of it's really problematic so all I hope is that people will take photographs and and think about the pictures that they're making in relation to the pictures that I've made and my pictures are for looking at it says that what are your pictures for you know, if you're uploading them to this website, which is linked to three other versions of the exhibition by the end of the month, um, what does that mean? I mean, there's this, you know, there's a, there's a kind of thing in galleries at the moment where, you know, interactivity is good. You know, having, being, having an online presence is good. But what does it actually mean? What's being made? What are all those different aesthetics? What does it mean if you use your BlackBerry? What does it mean if you use Instamatic? I mean... I don't know the answer to these questions. I'm putting it out there. Um, but that's what I hope happens. But at the moment, it's kind of, it's all a bit up in the air and out of my hands, and I'm, in, I'm kind of enjoying that. I feel a bit vulnerable, but I'm glad. <laughs> that's great. Um, maybe I'll uh, 
turn it over to the audience or, or we, you know, start to take audience questions. Um, as Sean or as uh, Gael said in the last round, we are tape or recording, so please wait for a microphone um, before shouting out your question. I just want I just wanted to follow up on what you were saying. When these images are uploaded. Um, will you have any um, ability to know which were taken here in Toronto and which were taken elsewhere? I mean, is that part of... I mean, are you interested in whether there are cultural differences? Um, well, there's clues because the, the website is already full of pictures that were taken in Poland. And if you go to the website now and you look at it, it's reminiscent of something. But it's not, it looks like what's here, but it's a different version of it. But will they all get mingled in they the They will end? get mingled yeah. because we're going to have... The show will be in London at Canada House. It will be here and it will be in Charlotte's show in Daegu. And, and one of the, the key pieces has been cast in three different colours. So there's these clues. And you have, again, you, you, it's like I'm batting it back. You've got to think about this. Yeah, I was batting it back to you. I mean, are you interested in a... <laughs> Damn! <laughs> are you interested in a kind of typology where you, you actually have a chance of looking at um, the images coming from specific places, or are you just going to say whatever? Well, the, you'll you'll be allowed to do that yeah. because, you know, in one space you've got text in Polish, in another space it's in... Yeah, in, that's quite a clue. There's, there's, there's clues, yeah. but I don't want to take that much kind of responsibility for it because it's... Yeah. A lot of my work is kind of thinking aloud. I mean, that record cover, all those punching out, that, that was thinking aloud. Cool. Okay, um, I have a question for Emmanuel. Okay, um, I was fascinated when you spoke of how th in, like, the police photographers, they're not allowed to show any emotion or bring any emotion into the work. And then, yet, when it comes into a gallery space, what kind of emotion comes into the work? Because I had to look away to see the bloodstains when you said it was actually a murder. And, and so I'm just, I'm really fascinated with that kind of aspect of your work. Yeah, but it, does it work? Yeah. It's totally false. Yeah. I mean, they, they set rules to achieve and neutrality or something like that. But when you look at them, they look pretty like amateur kind of photography. A lot of blurred, a lot of overlight, a lot of space where you too much dark, you don't know exactly what it is, strange cropping, etc. So it's totally um, a discourse. But it is what it is interesting, all this discourse that allows something one specific photography to have a certain weight of proof of, or something, but constructed by the discourse. But um, the notion of emotion is something totally uh, uh, surfait, artificial, I would say. Going back to what Charlotte said earlier on um, in relation to the timing of the work, the fact that you've made it in 2010, when I first saw it, and I didn't know your practice, I just assumed that they were staged photographs and you'd taken them. Ah, uh, yeah, so, I mean, uh, I copied the still, or... I no, no, that you'd, you'd created a set and you'd photographed yeah, it. That's, yeah. what I, that's what I thought it was. There was this kind of consistency between the different images, and it relates to, um, you know, there's been that kind of... I mean, there's been a rediscovery of black and white photography mm -hmm. because of... 
in, re in response to digital culture, rediscovery of film, um, and the idea of making a physical archive rather than a, a, a sort of ambient one. Oh, yeah, that's funny. Something kind of quite romantic or uh, but history of photography and try to mimic it. Yeah. Uh, the, uh, a way, which is not the case. There in black and white, the lorty were shot in black and white. But the but you, you the converted gel, some of those images to black and white, didn't you? Yeah, the gel one were in color. Oh. But I cannot do nothing because it's the photocopier mm. who has no color information in it. Oh wow! So it's why it ended up in black and white too. But um, and it's really every thing in that project have to pass through the. I would say the, the law system, yeah. and it and it it mark the image in itself. I mean, it it form, it transform, it create the image. Yeah. But it's true that you you feel like it uh, 90th century picture taking or piece of widgy image or I I, I don't know what. I, I but heard no, that still it's. I heard that you worked on the photocopies as well. Is that right? There, uh, the, the yeah. One. Well, I photocopy them, yeah. But when you, when you, did you not have to process the photocopies in order to make them? Um, no, them? it's a photocopier uh, that scan, right. that have a scan in it, but very, and it creates a big grid too that I try to make it disappear a little bit. But sometimes you s you see the grid. So you're another part of the process. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, sir. It's. As soon as you decide to print something or to use an image, you will decide a lot of things. Yeah. The format, the, I mean, a lot, a lot, a lot of decisions that create the image. Yeah. So the same, as you see, the same can be... Yeah, it never ends. No, no, no. Why is it important to you, Emmanuel, to show that work or the, the Assemblée Nationale piece in, a, in the context of an art gallery? Why not distribute it in, in, I don't know, in, in people's mailboxes or, or... Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I have to print much more, maybe. But that, <laughs> that, that can be like, like the, the newspaper uh, the, um, about in the, eyes of the, in the eye of the worker. We just spread it out. And, and in, in mostly in the office, governmental office of un unemployed people. So often you have this kind of place where they display, so we put them there and try to to present them there. Uh, for the Lorty, well, the idea of newspaper came, yeah, linked to the fact that is um, well-known case, very social case, and I use uh, I made different project. Another project was I, I tried to to follow press journalists from tabloid. So I have Scanner, and when I heard, well, at the beginning I didn't understand nothing. Finally, I work with a real uh, uh, photo um, journalist for very, like, cheap tabloid. So they, why am I telling that? I, I lost my link. Um, I don't remember. Je me souviens plus, j'étais rendu là. No, I perdu mon idée. Oui. 
no, I, f I forgot what uh, I was going like that. But yes, the, the idea of... Um, yeah, I was interested in how a same event will be covered by police, by photojournalists, by... So the same... Is there a big difference in the image for the purpose that is supposed to be achieved or not? What is the strategy of each? Uh, one being selling newspaper, another being creating proof to win a trial or something like that. Is this shown in, in the photograph? Uh, so that was a question. And the, um, well, the Lorty is very uh, d'actualité, actually, in fact. <laughs> uh, we'll say it like that. Ah, oh, yeah, I know where I was going. Sorry. It's because, no, it's because I choose uh, case that are not too, um, well, that are kind of social or anonymous case. Because when I was following, yeah, the, the like the Fed Ver event uh, um, appearing, trying to get as soon as I can, like the other one, um, I, I decide that I will keep only the event that are more, let's say, social or less family drama or stuff like that. So Lorty was a very kind of a perfect uh, subject in that case. Those images are, speaking of context, those images are ones that are now in the public domain, which is why you were able to look at them in the first place, correct? The Lorty one? Lorty. No. So, oh, yeah, you mean, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So the case is now open for examination, too. So that sense of the life of, an ima the life of images sort of held on ice, as it were, um, and then sort of brought to light um, or able to be accessed, I suppose, that sort of idea of access. Um, yeah, because this is supposed to be yeah, open um, to everyone, but in fact, it is very difficult to access. So it's, there is a kind of, I would not say hypocrisy, but it's a way to being sure it's not so easy to, to access. Other burning questions out there? Um, so traditionally, the photograph's often been spoken of as a way to sort of stop the world and make sense of it. And Jason, when you were describing Tumblr and this idea of scanning and going through and, and anticipating the next thing, it almost seems like when I do that, I, I end up going faster and faster the longer I sit there. So it almost feels like the opposite of stopping the world. Do you find that or do you have a sort of a thought on that? It it, it's a different kind of stopping, though, isn't it? It's it, it, it's, sto it's stopping your world in a way. It, it, I think it, it makes us very, as a, as a user, it can make us very passive, very you just kind of consuming, and that's consuming a lot. Of, it's a generalisation, but a lot of consumption has to do with being in one place or kind of being uh, emotionally, especially being in one place, and I think that's a kind of stopping. It's not, it's not an aware, alive state, is it? And, but in terms of the kind of stopping the world that photography is supposed to do, um, I don't know if stop's the right word. I think it's more like press pause, and then it's just, it's just that on that frame forever. Um, 
it's certainly stopping the world isn't part of what part of my practice it's not something that particularly interests me it's more like kind of grabbing a bit of the world and going look um, sharing I think it's more important than stopping for me um, I've got a question Okay. I wanted to ask uh, there's something that came up earlier on when I was talking to Charlotte uh, um, and it, it relates to the way that I feel about the way that people position my practice and constantly keep referring to me as an artist, which I, and almost as if it's some kind of privilege. Um, and and it, I think it just has to do with this idea that, well, I don't, I don't know what it has to do. It's about being a creative person. I mean, photography's taught me how to communicate, it's given me confidence, it's helped me navigate the world, it's taught me how to teach, it's taught me how to research, it's taught me how to share. I wouldn't have been able to do this before I started doing photography. Um, and so that's what I mean by being a photographer. Um, and I think that your trajectory is quite similar in as much as when you started, you were kind of traditionally working in a kind of curatorial way. But, you know, looking at the diagram that you're showing here, I mean, that's as much a... I mean, is that not an art practice? Do you not think that you might be guilty of being an artist as well? No, but I, I can have the same privilege as you, that I quite like an ambiguous oh. kind of title um, to it. And, I mean, curating is overstretched in the way that artist is overstretched, in the way that photographer is overstretched, isn't it? I mean, you can curate lunch if you want, and, you know, it's like... <laughs> Um, but it's actually, it's, um, I can't remember who referred to it. It might have been Sarah about the fact it's not so very long since, you know, curating was something. I mean, I, I started in 1992 and I remember people going, oh, what's that? But by 2000, it was like, of what? You know, it's really, it's a very kind of when fast... When I started here in 2006, number one question from people, in, you know, uh, what, what, what do you actually do? <laughs> What do you do in, in, you know, as a curator? What is it? You know, it's interesting. And I think w within that is also the idea of what is the specialism, like what's so special about a curator? Like with an artist, it's like it's inherently special, right? <laughs> it's practically Oedipal. You know, it doesn't matter wh where you're born, you are a prince. Whereas, uh, you know, but it's true. I mean, like that's the lives of the artist, isn't it? Is the Oedipal story. And that's not the same with curating, and that's not the same with a the photographer. There's this relation with pragmatics, low cunning, you know, who's it for, what's it for. And I love all of that. I want all of that in my practice because it keeps it really precise, actually. That I know why I'm doing it, not because I'm a curator, I do this, but I'm doing this because that's the route to the thing that I want to do and the people I want to reach. So it's about invention. Say again? It's about invention, in a way, and that kind of... I, th I think mercurial. I am very mercurial. You know, I'm kind of perfect photo curator <laughs> in that way. <laughs> Change my mind all the time. <laughs> With, like, for example, the way that Emmanuel has, is variously referred to as a photographer or an artist, I mean, if I had just to describe your practice, I would say that what you're doing is you're a cultural worker. Yeah. I mean, you're... You know, you, you work, you have to put your gallery, your newspaper in a gallery, because at the moment, that's the only place that society gives you. But what you're doing is 
the really important work that I'm that I was kind of talking about that Fred Richin talks about this kind of like stop, think, process what's happening. I mean that's really what you're doing, I think. And and that's a really important function. And but it, it's it's telling that we don't have uh, a word that's really descriptive of it. But yeah, I would elect to call you a, a culture worker. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, yeah, and and facts often we have teach, like you say, we teach, we do that, we do that, so there are many acts we can put, and uh, it's one that brings to the other, in fact, so it's yeah. one same, in, in fact, but uh, uh, when you say about uh, what is doing a curator, you can hear that to an artist too, ah, oh, yeah, but what is exactly you're doing, so, yeah, cultural worker. So, Jean, oh, okay. question for Emmanuel in English. <laughs> um, you said that uh, you put uh, the pictures that uh, à travers l'œil through the eye of of the workers in unemployment offices or employment offices. New word uh, for me. Um, why why did you put it there? And do you think it made a difference? Did, were you a social agent there? I don't think it makes a difference. Well, what I was, because we we give uh, we we print a lot, so seven thousand, and we try in different different place, industry too. Uh, we gave some. What I was um, curious about is uh, well the reaction, not not in the sense of difference, but it, what is strange is when you took it, the first thing, well we do is like, what is supposed to sell us? So you look for the advertisement, or you know, you look, so what is supposed to, to be sell or to be, and, and at the end it's like, well, finally, like, yeah, like it, there's no place because it sells nothing, so it was fun. Other questions from the audience? Well, we're coming uh, nigh on uh, six o'clock, cocktail time, it seems. Um, <laughs> I'd like to thank uh, the panelists for their extremely thoughtful, I'm sure I'll be chewing on this for this wheel, I'll be going round and round uh, for, for a long time, um, for coming today and for speaking and for being here part of this exhibition. And, uh, you know, it's uh, been a great experience to work with everyone, uh, including uh, the prior panel. So... That's all. <laughs> Thank you for listening to this Art Gallery of Ontario podcast. For additional recordings, as well as information on upcoming programming and events, please visit us online at ago.net slash talks.